Welcome to Book to Where Two Guys Tell You About the Books They're Reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Olivia Snedden. This week, we are reading... This is tough, because I'm going to talk about this later. We are reading what's being billed as a young adult novel. I think that's the best way I can put it. Yeah. I I don't have enough reference of late on what young adult really reads like to, to know... Um, how accurate that is but yeah so the book that we're going to be talking about is uh the escape of light by fred venturini friend of the podcast from a long way back um here's his bio since livius is being quiet (laughs) (laughs) i'm assuming that's my job (laughs) fred venturini has 11 scars from 11 separate incidents the most interesting of which is the time he was set on fire for the others just ask His short fiction... Don't ask us. That's part of the bio. His short fiction has been featured in the Book Danthology. Whoa! Livius! We, uh... Have you heard of this Book Danthology? I am slow clapping (laughs) Fred Venturini for putting that at the the front of his bio, at least of the list. Yeah, and it's the first. So, And then Noir Noir at the Bar 2 and Chuck Palahniuk's Burnt Tongues Anthology. He's the acclaimed author of The Heart Does Not Grow Back and The Escape of Light, which we're going to be talking about right now. On the basketball court, he is a three-point specialist in defensive liability. He lives in southern Illinois with his wife and daughter. That information is important when you start hearing what the book is about. I would just like to say, I know that you don't follow sports, and I don't either, but for a period of time in the early 90s, um, I watched a lot of sports. A lot of basketball, I should say. And mostly... For reasons to do with gambling. I was going to guess I, gambling. <laughs> yeah, I got to understand basketball really, really well. And what I can tell you is, of course, he's a three-point specialist because he's a white guy. And that's what white guys do uh, when they play basketball. It's factual information. He's got no dunks. He probably doesn't have any dunks. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, as Rob said, more on basketball shortly. But here is the synopsis. For the escape of light. Wilder Tate just wants a normal life with a normal face. Burns have disfigured him. His father has passed away and his mother now works so many jobs. He feels like he's living alone. He expects more of that same loneliness as he starts in a new high school. But Wilder surprises even himself as he finds a new best friend, discovers a knack for basketball and catches the eye of the coolest girl in school. All the cruelty and bullying seems reserved for the enigmatic Lane McKenzie, and Wilder is all too happy to let her take the heat. But sometimes Wilder is his own worst enemy, and his scars run far deeper than just physical damage. He's haunted by a secret he thinks he can erase with a bold and risky plan to fix his disfigurement for good, a plan that may cost him far more than he ever imagined. Filled with twists, heart, and humor, The Escape of Light is a bold and unexpected story of resilience, love, and basketball from the acclaimed author of The Heart Does Not Grow Back and Pound of Flesh from the book anthology. <laughs> there. I got synopsis out of the way. Good. Uh, I like this synopsis. I, I think that there's a couple of embellishments here and there, but overall I think it's pretty representative of uh, uh, the book. It doesn't go like crazy talking about stuff that doesn't end up being important like some synopses do. Correct. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, so right now, off the bat, um, we noticed that Venturini uh, was set on fire and uh, he played basketball. And our protagonist is a burn victim who plays basketball. 
I get the feeling just because I've seen some stuff that Fred's posted that this is, um, he said it's his most personal story. Yeah. I'm willing to bet some of these other things may be also based on true stories. Yeah. Um, so the protagonist of the book is Wilder Tate, who is, uh, for the majority of the book, in high school. And um, he, we get a very little bit of background or, or like, um, logistics, I guess, is the best way to say at the beginning, where he's he's starting um, for the majority of the book, he's freshman and sophomore in high school. So we get the beginning part is explaining why he's at the specific high school he is, which is kind of in a different um, setup than his earlier schooling, um, and uh, his background with with his incident where he got burned, building us up to the fact that this is a kid who had a very traumatic burn that left him significantly disfigured on part of his body, including like half of his face. And he's, he's a new kid at this school and he doesn't really know the people that he, he knew um, in his earlier schooling. And he's just shy anyway, and always very super self-aware of the fact that he looks very burned. So we discover this through his struggles, um, you know, attending first day at school, that kind of thing. Um, but what what we do find out pretty quickly is that he uh, he not only has a knack for basketball, but he is uh, basically sought out by the basketball team because they have heard of his ability to play a really, really strong defense. And they, they even name him uh, the Doberman for his, you know, um, defensive prowess and, and ability to stick with somebody uh, relentlessly and stuff. So, so we're introduced by him who wants to stay out of the spotlight because he's already, um, you know, very shy about his appearance and the fact that he thinks everybody, you know, kind of silently and openly at times mock him for, for the burns on his face and neck. So he really isn't interested in getting on the court and he just kind of wants to keep to himself. Uh, simultaneously you know he 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 of course meets the girl right the the if this was a movie like you know birds would sing in the background and and softer music would start playing when he first sees jenna weaver yeah this is all very early on in the book but um in his in the first few times we're reading interactions with him and students in school um it, it becomes very obvious that jenna weaver is kind of his crush and he's super well he's shy around everybody but like super shy around her and uh, she ends up personally inviting him to a party that she's throwing like a start of school party i guess or something like that which i don't remember doing those but maybe that was an actual thing could be a southern illinois thing you just weren't invited to him fuck that's what it you think is. that's what it was Ugh. yeah dude we had one every single year from second grade all the way through high school just uh i guess i was even the burn victims are going to these parties and I'm not. So it's yep, a terrible yep. thing to say. I'm uh, <laughs> just kidding around. But yeah, so uh, she invites him and he's like all his heart's a flutter because um, it's his, you know, kind of, I don't know if it's his first crush, but obviously like this is kind of a big deal. He's never really dated much. And so um, he goes to the party. He's super awkward. He's got his buddy. Preston, I guess it's a good time to talk about him. So Preston, I th- if I remember correctly, he knew um, from a younger age um, and happens to go to the school too, but they become a lot closer uh, in high school than they ever were when they knew each other as younger kids, um, if, I, if I remember that correctly. And so he goes with Preston to this party and 
um, that's where he kind of shoots his shot with Jenna. He tells he tells her that he likes her. Yeah, in a really adorable way. But uh, we do want to mention one other character, and and I, I bring this in now just because of how prominently she's featured in the synopsis. But there is a uh, Lane McKenzie. Um, in my note, and I made this note, you know, probably forty pages in to the book, it says "weird girl from the Breakfast Club." So uh, it, it mentions that she's kind of the the butt of the jokes in school and that she's kind of picked on and, and takes a little bit of the heat off Wilder, who um, at least thinks that he should be the one who's picked out or thinks that that's going to happen. Um, he, he also meets her, um, I believe, at school once, but really at this party, too, is is where he kind of has another interaction with her. And here's what I'll say without spoiling anything, if it happens or not. But kind of early on, you get the feeling that there's going to be a makeover scene you know, and she turns out to be the prettiest girl in school. You got that, right? Like the setup is yeah. all there for, yeah. for all of that. So that's kind of how we're introduced to her as awkward, um, but but sharp in, in her interactions. But you, you know that she's going to play a significantly bigger role um, later in the book. Much like you said, the uh, weird girl from the Breakfast Club, the character when I was reading her dialogue throughout the book, like the character that kept coming to mind and it didn't. It's jokey, but it didn't take away from the way I read the story. Was um, do you remember that cartoon Daria? Yeah, yes, I do. She was talking like Daria. I I agree. I also am so thankful you didn't say someone from Hannibal. <sighs> like it would have been really weird if you said like Hannibal, like Hannibal Lecter from Hannibal. <laughs> so that's kind of the setup. Like that's we're gonna we're gonna go with Wilder on a journey. Um, into him trying to fix the physical damage because that's what's going to fix everything about his life or is getting rid of these scars on his face. Um, throughout that journey, we interact with the aforementioned people, um, Jenna, Preston, Lane, Theo, captain of the basketball team, um, and uh, Wilder's mom, who I don't I don't think ever got a name. I'm not I, sure I if she did so, her. yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's important to mention because he has a he has a very good relationship with his mom. And, and when I say that, like she's a mom who genuinely cares about her kid um, in some ways, she might be like the perfect mom, like almost a little written a little too well. And we'll talk about what I just said there a little bit later, perhaps closer to the wrap ups. Um, but she's also a, a, a very important part um, of the story. And she comes up a lot. Yeah, and so uh, I think this it bears mentioning that this is, like we said before, young adult. And I think that we get some of that young adult flavor in how kind of oversimplified certain things are or tropey some things feel. Like uh, like you, you mentioned it was kind of obvious that Lane was going to go through some sort of change, or at least that's how you felt in the beginning. Um, I feel like that's the kind of thing that um, maybe got simplified for like a less sophisticated reader, if that makes sense. Um, um, possibly. I could see that. And then just the kind of the general theme of the book is what, you know, a kid going through what a kid goes through and the feelings that they have, um, the things that are important to them. Like, you know, he's really focused on at the beginning of the book his crush on jenna weaver and um 
all like and, and his unexpected popularity because of his basketball skills uh, really shine a spotlight on. He feels like even though he's probably more well liked and popular than he he realizes, it almost makes him think more about how he looks different than everybody else because of his uh, burns. And so even though things seem to be going well, he is still tortured by um, his appearance and, and the, the trauma that he went through. Absolutely. I want to take a step away from, and I still think there's some more story, like kind of general story we can talk about, but I would like to commend Fred Venturini and I don't know how much this was accidental. I'm guessing none of it. Um, but a couple of things came up throughout the course of the book, and I just jotted a couple of them down, but uh, authenticity. So there's a scene that takes place on New Year's Day, and um, it, it, it's not a real pivotal scene in the book or anything, but Wilder is watching a Twilight Zone marathon. Mm. There's always a Twilight Zone on marathon on New Year's <laughs> Day because I've been watching it for years and years. Um, there's mention of the release of the new call of duty game. And although it's not super specific, like the date it's at the beginning of the school year. So, you know, into the school year a little bit, which by the way, um, this coming Friday is the release of the new call of duty game. So there's all the basketball stuff, which is uh, authentic. And, you know, we read it in the bio, right? I could tell, I, I don't, I'm sure we read his bio previously. I don't know if basketball player was in there, if that came up years ago when we talked to him, right? But I could tell that there's definitely a love and understanding of the game of basketball. So, like, the the supporting stuff, even the little bits, landed so authentically. And I know, I like I said, I'm, I'm fairly certain it's not an accident. If we get Fred on, I can guarantee you that he's, he plays or has played Call of Duty. He's uh, obviously played basketball. Clearly, he watches the Twilight Zone marathon on, on New Year's Day. Like, you know what I mean? There are these things that are yeah. added in there that, that you know are authentic and not not made up for the sake of the book. For sure. Um, yeah, if if the basketball thing was in the bio before, I'm assuming I just didn't pay attention because I don't really care for basketball. <laughs> I, look, I don't anymore either. So, yeah. um, I actually looked up suicide drills. Do you know what a suicide drill is? I actually watched a YouTube video on suicide drills because it comes up a lot in the. So to explain for the for the listeners, um, Wilder. Um, one of the big things that comes up is that the coach has them do suicide drills, which is part of practice. And a suicide drill is, are you ready for this, Rob? Can you picture roughly what a basketball court looks like? Yeah. Okay. So I may get this a little bit wrong, so forgive me. But you start at one end, and you run as fast as you can, bend over and touch, like, the free throw line. Then you run back to, like, under the basket. Then you run out and you touch the three-point line. And then you run back and touch the line under the basket. And then you run to, I don't know, probably to half court. I don't know exactly what the thing is. So essentially, it's like these short little sprints that require you to turn and come back and yeah. turn and come back. And uh, I watched them. Those people are fucking crazy. <laughs> that's, that's not normal. That's not normal behavior, what they do in those. That's well, Yeah, the whole time I was reading the book, I just assumed it was that thing the guy did to himself at the end of the movie, Pie. Oh Jesus, that's uh, that's gonna be lost on a lot of people. But very nicely done, Rob. <laughs> Good reference, right? I'm very proud of that one. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that too. Um, so yeah, suicide drills. That's like I said. You could just tell that this is somebody who was involved with the game of basketball. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess 
this is the kind of book where uh, I, I want to say that there's there is more or less a three act structure, and there is in a, you know in addition to just like normal teenage angst and shit, there's actually like kind of a driving force and and a, and a narrative to the story. So it's not just um, and it it's not as if it's just a memoir kind of feel because like this book probably could have just carried itself on, um, you know, the lives of these kids and, and what they go through and how they cope with it. But, um, so it's introduced that, uh, he, there's an option that he had, he can try to, he can go through the surgical procedure to remove or lessen the burn scars on his body. And so that becomes, um, one of two main goals for him, uh, look like normal again uh, is one. And the other one is um, all about the basketball team going to the big whatever. And so <laughs> I don't know what Sorry. it is. The The Super Bowl of. Yes. But yeah. It's the Super Bowl of basketball. Yeah. Uh, and so those are the two like kind of driving forces. Those are the, the, the catalysts for all the action that happens. And then mixed in there is all like the dumb teen energy that dumb teens have this is a good point um where i should talk about this <sighs> i i want everyone to hear me out when i say this so <laughs> this is a book for young adults but and i am not saying this is a slight i'm i'm not at all because it's one of the things i think i really liked about this book the kids are probably mature than they should be I say that, and I'll try to reference a couple of things. Have you ever seen, like, The Perks of Being a Wallflower? Uh, I read the book. I don't think I saw the movie, Okay. All right, so if you read the book, I'll have to assume I I only saw the movie. There's, like, that maturity level that those kids have that's probably beyond their years. Right. Um, I recently watched the first two episodes of Looking for Alaska on Hulu. I got that same feeling. You got 15, 16-year-old kids, but they're as sharp as, like, sharp adults. Right. That's how I felt about a lot of the characters in this. Not just the dialogue. But even the like relationship management, because the relationships are, are, are complicated, but I think they're treated by like, like how intelligent adults would treat and react th- with these relationships minus all the sex. Because let's be honest, if this book about adults, they'd all be sleeping together, right? But they're yeah. not in this book. They're teenagers. And you know what I mean? So there's like awkward teenager stuff, but it's all kind of handled in a, what I feel is a beyond their years way. And you may disagree with me on this, but, and I say, hear me out on this because that's what I really liked. Like <clears throat> we're going to read this book because we know Fred is a great writer and we like his stuff. Right. And then I go, eh, but it's a young adult novel. Like that was really kind of my, <sighs> you know, but I, I felt like as an adult, I was able to enjoy this book because the teens were maybe written a little bit ahead of their time. If that makes sense. So I don't have an example off the top of my head, but I totally agree with you as far as like they were written a little bit. I want to say wiser in certain, in certain circumstances. Uh, And, and I'm conflicted about this one because um, part of me thinks like it's helpful for the plot to just have things go the way they did. But the other part of me thinks like maybe he just didn't write all the dumb shit you know, because that's not important to the plot, if yeah. that makes sense. So um, it could just be 
a matter of expediency. And then if this was like a TV show or something that it would get a little bit more granular about how kids acting like kids and not being, um, not seeing the steps that they took to get to the, like the, like the more mature thought that they have or whatever. So I'm, I'm on the fence about whether, like why they ended up the way they did, but I do agree. Like I agree with like the general thing that you're saying. There's even a montage in this book. That's how that's how like movie ready. There's oh, you know yeah. what I'm talking yeah, about. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking and, about. And normally, normally I would be very turned off by that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I fucking love the montage. Like that's what I'm saying. I don't know. Could young adults read this book and, and enjoy it? Yeah, absolutely. I don't. I don't see why not. Can adults read it and kind of uh, appreciate it because the characters are developed enough and and there's not a lot of I don't want to say there's not teen angst, but I feel like it's just angst, if that makes sense. Sure. It's, well, it's... I, I, I vaguely remember being, you know, whatever, 15, and nobody I knew was like any of these characters. And yep. I say that hesitantly because I, I feel like the book was realistic, but I feel like as an adult, I could appreciate the things that were going on. Because if this was really 15-year-olds... It would have been a lot of dick and fart jokes, and you know what I mean. Like I, I yeah, working 15... at the gas station or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, I, like I said, it sounds like a backhanded compliment. It's not because I, I mean, here's a spoiler for you. I absolutely love this fucking book, <laughs> but I had to look back and say, well, you know, well, what did I love about it? And I'm like, I don't know that what I love about it necessarily matches up to how it's marketed or even how Fred meant it. Yeah. So, well, yeah, that's the thing. I feel like it's just got a wide appeal. Um, so even though it's being called young adults, it doesn't have to be like it could just be marketed as, you know, fiction, literary fiction, whatever you want to call it. Like you didn't. But the young adult thing might open up more avenues and it does have childhood lessons like it does have. Sure things that are poignant to someone who's going through all the angst that a child goes through. So um, I, I can see both sides of it and, and I'm not mad at any of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the thing too, is like, I, I don't want to shortchange the book. You know what I mean? Cause I know if I say, well, the characters were too mature for their age, that's how, and I totally don't mean that as a slight, it's like one of the things I really liked about the book. So um, a couple it's other like, things. Uh, it's like the movie Juno, like, like a, it's like a Diablo Cody thing. Like these kids never would actually seem that way. Yeah, I've not seen it, but yes, I feel like like that's right. Like the things I know about that movie, I I, I feel like you're yeah. you're like you're getting what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, there's some great great insight stuff in here. I mean, Fred's a super talented storyteller. Um, I don't think this is a spoiler, but to, to give you an example. Um, this kid has spent a lot of time in the hospital because of his burns and subsequently throughout the course of the book, there's stuff or whatever. And there's this theme that runs through it about like him knowing like when the nurses are coming. Yeah. Because he spent so much time hearing nurses shoes that he recognizes like, you know, like which nurse it is or the sound of the shoe. You know what I mean? Which is just super yeah. great, insightful stuff that potentially could be from, uh, you know one or more of, of Fred's 11 scars. Like I said, that felt like a, like a pretty legitimate thing. And if it wasn't just brilliant um, creation to, to have a character that, that yeah. understands, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Good detail. Um, yeah. I really liked um, the, the two, I'll say the three main female characters of this book. I really liked all three of them. 
and they're three very different characters, but I was really endeared to all three of them. So, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if if I could if I would fault, and I'm not going to fault this book for anything because I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I would almost say that the the adult part of it to me was like that there wasn't as much conflict as I think the teenagers would have, if that makes sense. It's just kind of like life happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but in a in a in a in a fairly reasonable way, the vast majority of the time. Yeah. And like I said, um, I'm not gonna say it's a fault because the book is goddamn. I I really enjoyed this man. This was like watching like a like an additional season of Gossip Girl for me. <laughs> oh no! Um, one thing I want to shine a light on is what a fucking incredible character the mom is, and um, so it says even in the synopsis that his 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 father died, so it's just him and his mom. Um, it's set up a little tropey in a way where like the protagonist, you know, lives with his single mom who is working all the time and they don't really have a lot. So that's a little bit kind of to be expected from, you know, it's, it's a common story thing to have, but my God, if every time the mom is in the book, she's just amazing. Like she says, like you, you can tell that this is a person who chose to be defined by being someone's mom and not like in a helicopter mom bullshit, bad way, but just in someone who is so dedicated to their child that that's the only thing that matters to her. And um, it's it's probably one of the strongest things in the book. And it's great that a character that only shows up occasionally as is like a supporting thing for your protagonist can be probably the most compelling character in the entire book. Yes, I agree with all of that. The mom is a wonderful guy. So I said all three women that was including yep. her in, yeah. the, in the thing. Like I, I just, <laughs> I loved all three of them and, yeah. and you know, and I felt, how do I say this? I felt about this the way I feel about the show Downton Abbey. Like, is this the most compelling book I've read? Is this the, the most thought? Pro- no, no, not at all. Just thoroughly enjoyed the shit out of it. The characters are all written great. It was interesting. There was not one point. I mean, I read it in probably two and a half sittings. Um, if a half sitting is a thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and like I one usually cheek kind of, off the chair. Kind yeah, of? I, I, yes, exactly. <laughs> I, uh, I usually kind of parse it out a little better than that. Cause I don't like reading for two hours at a time, something I used to do. And now I just, I find it harder and harder to do that. And I like, I just kept wanting to read these characters. I was, uh, it, it, it went by fast enough that if there was another hundred pages in here, I would have been perfectly okay with it. I don't think that, I don't think I would have noticed, you know what I mean? If, it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's weird. Cause you want to sell someone when you like a book on something, you know, like, Oh, it's so suspenseful. So no, no, I didn't find really a lot of suspense or whatever. I just found super endearing characters in an endearing enough story that it was super readable. And and honestly, I'd have to look at the list. This is probably my top three of books we reviewed this year, though. Hmm. Yeah, and, and kind of what you were just talking about made me think. Um, it has to be pretty difficult to have a story keep you so invested in it without having some sort of plot device that's pushing the narrative. Um, that means that the characters he created 
carry the story on their own, which is probably a very difficult thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that's it. Like the whole thing is the characters you care about Wilder and Jenna and Preston and Lane and even Theo, who is, is not, he's kind of a, he's not tertiary, but he's not nearly as, as big as the other characters. You care about the mom and you care about what happens to them. And he, he, he has you so invested in these characters that at one point Wilder's mom gives him a basketball. And I feel like I was about to cry. <laughs> All right. Here's what I'll say. Cause I felt like this was going to come up and I'm glad that you <laughs> did it first. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got, I got a little uh, teary eyed a couple of times in this book. And one without spoiling it is when his, his mom, um, uh, uh, hires a handyman. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 This is great shit. And like I said, on its surface, if I was just trying to tell you the story, you'd be bored to fucking tears. Yep. But you read it and it's super 100% readable. And that's why I said I was really torn. I'm like, I know they're marketing this as a young adult book and I don't want to say like, does it work as a young adult book? Fuck, I don't know, man. I'm in my mid 40s. What I can say is that I don't feel like it's a young adult book. I feel that legitimately adults should should look right past that and read right. this book. I agree. Yeah, I think it has very mass market appeal. Um, it does what it's supposed to do, but it kind of bleeds out to like a, a wider audience. Is is what it's obviously what you're saying, and I fully agree with that. I'm also willing to bet that this this was also a little, little bit designed with a potential movie in mind. Good God, it's so cinematic. If if it yeah. wasn't, like, because it's got that like classic. It, it definitely has the feel of. Um, not necessarily underdog, but like I was thinking about this when I was reading the book. There's something about people's passion for sports that even if you don't care about that sport, if the story is told well, like you get swept up in that passion to a degree as well. And he did that wonderfully in this book because I don't give any kind of fuck about basketball, but because Wilder was so it was his whole life was about basketball like and he told the story well i was like man i really hope xyz happens so um i i feel like sports stories as a as a as a medium or as as a d device for some reason are are a little helpful in getting the buy-in of the reader too yeah for sure last thing i want to say about this is um I uh, I don't remember the last time I appreciated the title of a book relating to the book more than I did this book. Yeah. Yeah, it's what I was going to mention it at least in vague terms to say mm -hmm. that. Let's the, keep it vague, but yeah. yeah. To say that the title, The Escape of Light, actually means something. And it is addressed very clearly in the book. Um, and, you, and you understand the significance, and I, I appreciated it. Yeah, I mean... You know, all right. So let's face it. Some books are just named very generically. It, it, yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is one of those where you're reading it. And if you think back to the title, you're like halfway into the book and you're like, I have no fucking idea what this means. I wonder if it's ever even going to be. Right, here we go. The book title that I probably criticized the most ever on this podcast. Good sex, great prayers. <laughs> this is the opposite of that. 
Wow. You know Brandon Teets is at the gym listening Sorry, to this right Brandon. now. Sorry, Brandon. I know he just fell off a treadmill. <laughs> I, I, I I mentioned it to him, too. It's not it's not a secret. Young so. Livius out there. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Little, little bro. Sorry. Happy <laughs> wedding stuff. He's getting married. Yeah. Good for I know him. I'm a little off the. Off I, thing, yeah. Happy I, happy wedding stuff. I don't even know what you said. Congratulations. I, think. I, I would I put know. a ring on him. Yeah, he's a good looking cat. Yeah. Um, All right. Anything else? I feel like I already did my wrap up. I don't know if. I mean, if we should go through the motions. Well, one thing I want to address is the fact that, like, so we talked about how good the story was and how invested we were in the characters, but like, his writing is good too. And so, um, we read the heart does not grow back. And we really enjoyed that. And we chose to feature uh, Pound of Flesh as the starter of our anthology specifically because of how impactful it was. Uh, there's just a couple of quotes uh, that I have that um, I, because it was a print book, I wasn't planning on really highlighting anything. So the ones that I did catch, and it was just three or uh, two or three, is it, anyway, um, are ones where I was like, well, I can't not talk about this. So, um, here we go. Um, he's talking about the attractiveness of, of, you know, a girl in the story. And he says, uh, her hotness didn't impress me. Hotness wasn't beauty. Too many times we just admired the lack of damage. See, and that's what I'm saying. It's 15 year olds. Don't think like that. It, it was a little heavily insightful but on the other mm-hmm. on the other hand it's it's so poignant to like the character's personal experiences that i could see where you could give him the credit for like having a little extra insight yeah. that the average kid wouldn't sure mm-hmm. so he's talking to preston um will wilder's talking to, to preston and they both throughout the course of the story have some serious setbacks in life and like they're they're kind of run through the ringer pretty hard and um, they're just having this, you know, conversation about like, you know, somewhat acknowledging like the struggles that they've had, but also talking about the things that they want to accomplish and stuff more or less, but just in, in a casual way. And um, so Preston says to Wilder at one point, bones and dreams, man, that's all we break, you and me. And then that comes up throughout the book several times where like him and his friend like they just kind of refer to that bones and dreams is the only thing we break. And I thought that mm-hmm. was, that was a cool little uh, friendship thing that they had. Yeah. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about the dynamic between the two of them, but again, every, every relationship, um, <clears throat> good, bad, or indifferent it is carried out very well. Yeah, totally. And you know what? Uh, the third quote that I had was another instance of the bones and dreams thing, but yeah, like they had good best friend energy, um, and it was it was the picking each other up when they were down and and that kind of stuff. But yeah, like all of the there's even a part with Theo who we we only barely mentioned Theo and uh, Wilder at one point that was just like pep talky in a way that was like, man, I could I could I would love if someone said that to me. <laughs> yeah, no pep talks for you now on no, this I podcast. Never, I never get pep talks. No, God, no. Um, no one wants to pep me up. <laughs> all right. Um, go ahead and go ahead and let's do wrap ups. It's Fred Venturini. We've read him before. We've, we've enjoyed everything that we've interacted with. Cause, and I didn't even mention the burnt tongues cause we, we actually, everything that he listened is bio. We had either reviewed or published. So, mm-hmm. um, 
uh, we've always liked his stuff and, and, um, he's just a really engaging writer and, and he has a way of, of, of really getting you to buy into what's going on with the characters and the story in general. Um, and so I, 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 I usually try and temper my expectations, but in this case I was just like, I know this is going to be something that I enjoy, went into it and he, he blew me away with this story. Uh, not necessarily because of any one element. It was because of how the story made me feel. I mentioned that I teared up at one point. There was like four or five different times throughout the book where I was like so emotionally affected by what was going on in a very positive way. Um, it just made me love the book. It's a good story and it's obviously very personal to him. And that comes through in in just how effective the storytelling is. And it's a good story. It's uh, it's it's. It's just good. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. I could absolutely see this being um, like a movie easily. It's it, it translates so easily onto the screen that um, I would be surprised if at some point this didn't get picked up. So loved it. Uh, loved everything about it and is absolutely a five-star book. Yeah, I'm just going to spend another few minutes um, gushing about this book. I know at times it sounded like uh, like I was being critical. I really, really, really enjoyed this book a lot. And like I said, I don't want to, I'm not going to go back and see what we reviewed this year, but this was definitely one of the best books I've read this year for its sheer enjoyability. It's it's a, it's a lot of a feel-good story. Um, and, and when you were saying about movies, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, yeah, listen, if you make movies and you've made a movie where like a kid has cancer and like makes a friend and they go on, on like a journey, like, yeah, you should totally read this book and, and see about adapting it into a movie because that's the kind of thing it is. The little bit of maybe a little too smart at times, uh, you know, teenage story. And, and like I said, I can I could probably think of like three or four more as, as examples. And the movies are always received very well. Um, I love the characters. I love the writing. Uh, like I said, a, a super insightful um, um, look into things. The the little pieces um, around it um, do nothing but elevate it. There's a montage chapter. I mean, you know, how can you go wrong with that, right? Which, like I said, normally <laughs> I, I kid because normally I'd be like, oh Jesus Christ! And you know what? It just fucking worked. So I have zero, zero. I have nothing. I can complain about this book. I even thought I was like, I, I know I'm going to be really, um, you know, uh, uh, overly excited, um, you know, about this book. And I was like, there's got to be something I can pull it back on. And, you know, here it is, you know, almost a week after I finished reading it and I, I still have nothing. So, yeah, five stars. Yeah, I'm glad that we, we got a hold of this and and stuff. Fred, when we talked to him, it was probably three or four years ago now when we, were, when we hit him with the, hey, what's coming up next for you? He gave a couple of things, and this wasn't on the radar, um, so this was a nice little surprise. I was expecting a couple other stories before that, um, but yeah, this is great. Um, Fred, if you're listening, Rob keeps talking about the other thing that you talked about working on, and he brings it up frighteningly All the time. often, so just you know what we're talking about. Yeah. I don't number know if you f- want to give him some code words or something. To The number four is involved. There you go. Um, that's, a good, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> So I want to break in with a key page update and like, so we started the key page update thing as a joke when there was like, when the election was going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's so dated now. Um, but I still love it. And, um, just want to update all the readers on how we're doing this year. So this is the 29th, uh, 28th book, uh, that we've reviewed in 2019. 
and the total with 28 27 for me 28 for you i guess total pages that booked his review this year is 9639 so we've got one or two more books before we hit our 10,000 I'm pretty sure the next one will 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 fill it because I can't imagine that book being under like 350 pages. Yeah, so uh, looking good. Um, I'm happy that we're going to be over 30 books for the year and definitely breaking our 10,000 pages. Personally, I blew past that a little while ago because um, I read a few books outside of the podcast. I'm sure Livius is even farther ahead of me. Um, but yeah, uh, the one thing I will point out, and I think we mentioned this briefly before, that it's been a lot of bangers lately, so we might have to <laughs> take a chance on something that's not so much of a sure thing. I'm going to try. So here's here's where we're at. We're not taking submissions necessarily at this point, but our December is looking uh, like, like there's some opportunities. I promise to try and bring you, not on purpose, but some shitty book reviews in December. In the last 13 books, only one of them dipped under four stars. Was it Wanderers? Should have been Wanderers. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that jumps out at me. So, um, yeah. So we're going to try. And when I say that, like, I'd like to be surprised, but I'm, I'm going to try to get some things on the list that I don't expect us to really like. Yeah. Um, to be fair, I didn't really expect to like a young adult look this much. He brought it, though. Homeboy yeah. brought it. Yeah. No, he's a talented writer. It's just like, how do I say this? Um, if Craig Clevenger writes a book that takes place about a guy trying to find himself spiritually in the mountains, I'm going to read it and I'm not going to be excited about it at all. <laughs> Did, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah, I just like I go, ugh. Like these are things I hate about books, you know, and young adult, not typically on my list. Although we have, as we mentioned, I think last episode or two episodes ago. We have had a couple other young adult books that were really good. The Hardy Boys, that was great. Yeah, and Nancy Drew, let's be... I was just going to say, I was going to lead into, (laughs) there is a new Nancy Drew TV show. I don't know if you can guess on which network that would be airing. I'm going to say The CW. The only network I watch, The CW. (laughs) Um, I haven't had a chance to see it. Actually, it might be two episodes out by now. So I think this weekend I'm going to try to get in some, some Nancy Drew. Um. I'd be, I, I don't know. Yeah, you'll have to let me know how that is because I don't. I, I'm too on the fence to to make a commitment myself to sit down and spend time on that, which sounds so stupid because you guys know that I rewatch the same shit all the time. So it's like, why wouldn't I just invest an hour in something? But it goes to like the the kind of the same irrationality that Livius has, where he's like, I won't watch this movie, but I'll binge it in an episode, a season of a show. So. Yeah, that's I know I. Yeah, I, I'm 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 with you on that. I have been watching <laughs> The Mass Singer religiously this this season. I started. I watched it la- all last season. Are you familiar with The Mass Singer? Have we talked um, about this? We, we haven't talked about it, but is that the one where it's the the, the 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 person that's singing is literally masked, and they have to guess who it is or whatever? Yes, they're all in like ridiculous, mostly like animal costumes. You know, like. Oh, the Black Widow, and then they give like super vague hints about who they are, and some of them are singers or actors, some some type of mostly like B-list celebrities and like athletes. So it's like Dancing with the Stars, but if the stars were wearing masks and singing, um, I mean, it and they don't have awful. to guess, yeah. 
they try to guess and then audiences um you know essentially vote someone off every week you know so if you're the bottom you're the bottom player that week they reveal who you are and uh fucking fascinating um huh yeah i'm trying to think if i've i've been watching anything different lately the new um season of american horror story in 1984 have you checked any of that out um not not since freak show yeah that's the thing man like it had like so i'm not gonna do like a force ranking of every season but i watched all the way through seasons one through five the fifth one was hotel and then six and seven or seven and eight anyway um it really lost me at one point basically after hotel like they, you know, they got me to this like high water mark of like Lady Gaga's always walking around in thongs, and then I, they totally lost me. And so I'm just I, I keep trying to start these new seasons um, with the feeling that I'm not going to like them at all. Like there was that election season, I made it maybe two episodes. I didn't like mm-hmm. it at all. There was the apocalypse season. I think I watched the first episode and I was like, eh, I'm not going to get into this. Um, but this one's called 1984, and it's like a slasher. It's your it's it's based around your typical like 80s slasher movie. And I've watched all five episodes so far, and I still don't super like it. But it's the best mm. that there's been in quite a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I I watched I think two episodes of Hotel, and just couldn't stay with it. And since then, I haven't turned it back on. Yeah. And I know it's ridiculous because I know I could just watch whichever season. Yeah. But I, I feel like I, I don't think I if you said, hey, 1984 is really good. I probably couldn't bring myself to watch it unless I watch the other ones, even though they're unrelated. Right. Yeah. So, well, yeah. there's that whole weird like nebulous. They're all in the same universe kind of thing. Right. Um, And the the thing that I will credit them with with this season is that they're absolutely stepping outside of what a usual slasher is like. And um, so I appreciate that it's a, it's a unique take on a slasher, but it's still like it, it's at times it just feels like they're trying to be as clever as they can instead of just telling a good story. Like some, like you don't want to get super like high concept with a slasher. It's like counterintuitive to the type of story that they're telling. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it gets to be a little much. Hmm. Interesting. I was going to say, if they did a slasher, I'd expect something a little different and not something really straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, from the, the seasons I had seen, I didn't feel like any of them were, um, you know, kind of your cookie cutter. Right. Whatever they were, ghost story or asylum. You know what I mean? Like, they all kind of were a little different. So, I mean, at least I'm glad they're doing that, even if it is a little much. Yeah. Oh, the Roanoke one was the other one. The reality TV show. Yeah. That was yeah. actually not bad, I guess, but yeah. They're all on Netflix, I think, right? Uh, yes. Yes, yeah. they are. So, hey, we didn't talk about it during the last episode for reasons unknown to me. Um, did you see the Joker? Or Joker, I guess I should stop saying the Joker. Did you see Joker? I did not, but I'm I'm aware that you did. I did. I did. I really really liked it a lot. So, one thing that did not happen yet at least um, all the incels in the world didn't go out and start killing everyone. Yeah, but you know what the funny part about that is? <laughs> they'll be like, 
it'll be a news article and it'll be like man spills bucket of popcorn on person sitting next to him at joker movie like anything that happens literally inside right. the theater during a joker movie makes national news it's it's a little it's a little disturbing <laughs> they're like see we told you one guy bumped into another and there were shoves thrown during yeah. a joker movie like that's what passes for articles around that yeah i'm hearing uh great things about joaquin phoenix's uh performance dude um, if he doesn't win the goddamn oscar then there is a fucking travesty then there are shenanigans afoot that's all i can say about that Wow. I mean, have you watched any of the other, like many of the other movies that came out? I It's the only movie I've seen this year <laughs> from this year or so, any other year. So you're, yeah. you're going with the, uh, the classic, like I've only read one book. So when I talk to someone who reads books, I say, Oh, you'll love this book because it's the only one that it's, it's that I've ever read. All right. Okay. All right. Hold on. I saw three from hell and you know that cause you were there. <laughs> I saw the Downton Abbey movie. Yes. Uh, I don't think anybody should get actor of the year, but there's probably like set design, maybe music of the year, that kind of thing. Um, that should probably go to Downton Abbey. I don't know. Were, were there other big movies this year? Something I may have seen on like video on demand or something that you can think of. I don't pay attention. Yeah, I don't either. I know I've seen a few other movies. I was joking, but no, I mean, I'm not an avid movie goer. Oh, by hold any on. Str- Let me pull up the, the list of episodes of almost good. It yeah, chapter yeah. two. No, I'm going to wait on video for that one. I did see it, like in the theater when it came out, the first one. Um, I want to see the second one because I thought I thought the uh, I thought the first one was good. Oh, oh there I was liked it. I that, dislike it. Yeah, there was that once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, yeah, no, I haven't seen that. I'm not a huge Tarantino fan. Yeah, neither am I. Um, yeah, so who knows? I I, I, I pay go. much attention. There you go. So, at any rate, um, I'll check really out Joker like, when it's, yeah. you know, on the digital streamings. You'll you'll appreciate this statement. I'm super excited to see it again when it comes out on video. Whoa! If that tells you anything, that I'm going to watch this again. For anybody so. who's just tuning in, <laughs> Levius yeah. wants to rewatch something. He's yeah. not a rewatcher. No, no um, not at all. But speaking of rewatching, uh, I I. I have purchased three from hell on iTunes and yeah, that was a really quick release. I wasn't expecting it to pop up like that soon. Yeah. It's just to be a available weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I didn't rewatch the movie. I did watch the audio commentary of Rob zombie and, um, here's what I'll say. He's very detailed. I'm like, interesting. Oh, Siri wants to get in on this. Yep. Yeah. So, but it, it was interesting to hear. Like, um, it was obviously recorded before Sid Haig died, though. Um, so he kind of missed an opportunity to kind of memorialize him um, in his commentary. Yeah, bummer about Sid Haig. He did acknowledge, though. They basically like um, against doctor's orders had him in for one like day of shooting for like a couple hours, and that's all they could really get out of him because of how ill he was. So yeah. um, I think they snuck, they snuck it in like they didn't do it, like legal, not legally, but you know. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm with, like the with, up and up with yeah. proper yeah. clearance that like insurance yeah. would allow for. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Um, I'm really happy at how that movie turned out. I know we did a little mini review on YouTube of it, but yeah, I I, I did def- I enjoyed the three movies I went to the theater to see this year. How's that sound? There you go, man. All three of them. So. 
Um, yeah, next up, next up, Halloween Spooked Tacular, the video episode on the Facebooks um, oh, coming yeah. up on the 28th. So uh, Monday, if you're listening to this currently, like this Monday night at uh, 8 p.m., we'll be joined, as always, by Jesse and Misty. We have uh, we're going to do a couple of movie reviews. They're older movies. So, um, you know, kind of like I'm, I'm guessing probably spoilery reviews because both movies oh, yeah. one of them's 50 years old i think and then the other one is uh i don't know it's got to be what 15 it's like early 90s i think yeah so actually. i mean i guess i guess we could throw it out there in case anybody wants to watch um these movies or rewatch them or whatever we're going to be talking about rosemary's baby and the ninth gate so uh that's uh that's what's on tap for uh, both roman polanski movies there'll probably be some conversation around that too i would imagine we if we can't get <laughs> We can't just sweep that under the <laughs> the rug, dude. The, the the biggest Joker controversy after you know that there not being any theater shootings or, or whatever was the use of uh of that song. Oh, the yeah, that like the the, the one that plays at every basketball game ever. Um, shit, I can't remember what it's called now. But after nobody shot up a theater, everybody was like, "That guy's getting like forty five cents." a week yep. for the song playing in the rock and roll part two. And I can't think of the guy's name, but he's currently actively serving a prison sentence for, um, a sex with minors. I believe I could be wrong on that. Yeah. That's what I thought too. So Gary you gotta, something, yeah. Gary something, I think is his name. Yeah. Gary. Good old Gary. Yeah. Good old fucking Gary. Um, turns out though, that he's actually not getting any royalties that he sold off the rights to those songs years ago and he's getting nothing off of them. So but it was nice. But, hype cycle dude for... i set off my own siri what the hell this doesn't happen very often siri's just super interested in getting in on this episode siri's got siri's opinions trying... yeah i think siri just said joaquin phoenix for best actor <laughs> i think is what the response was it's got to be cortana um so we've got that coming up um we are probably not probably we will be reviewing the starless sea by Aaron morgenstern not super clear on when that's going to happen, but in the upcoming weeks. And then a couple of offbeat episodes is probably the way I'll say it. So yeah. a couple of guest hosts, some weird stuff going on. Um, and that'll take us uh, that'll take us well into the month of November. So, yeah. There you go. And I, I got a trip coming up, so we'll see how that um, I think we're going to try and what Livius was implying um, not make me being away for a couple of weeks interfere with our schedule. So we'll see how that turns out. I mean, a little bit of an experiment and then who knows, maybe, maybe my Christmas present to Livius this year will be allowing him to do a wheel of meat. Ah, it's all I wanted for Christmas was a wheel of meat. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, let me just do episodes with other people all the time. <sighs> He's trying to push me out guys. If, if like, I don't know. I'm going to have to change some passwords or something. If, if, if anything happens to me, it was Livius. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to have in written in my own handwriting somewhere in my apartment. Livius did it and then signed it. So if I ever like vanish and the, the investigation starts, you're suspect number one. Prime suspect. Yeah. You guys will notice right away. It's when the editing quality goes to shit that Rob's probably not around <laughs> anymore. It's just like so. <laughs> splicing together shit that I've said in the past. Mm -hmm. I wonder. I wonder if I could do that and if anybody would notice. 
we could probably oh my god i just had the best idea think oh dude don't even say it listen don't even say it i totally (laughs) think this is a great fucking idea that we should just put up a fucking episode (laughs) that's completely made up of spliced other episodes this no i'm gonna take it even a step further we uh with the use of ai and machine learning feed all of the hours of us talking into a program that then like you give them the synopsis of a book and it just spits out an hour of us talking how great would that like we don't even have to work anymore that would be fucking brilliant like the i made a bot read Mm -hmm. yep but like with us all right yes livius opens a book made of vapes an amazing book it is. Um, All right, I'm going to calm down. What else? You yeah. got anything else? You got anything no. else before we go? No, I'm right. good. Uh, thanks again, Fred Venturini, for an awesome book. For sure. Thanks, Fred. Get back to work on that book with the number four in it. Yeah. All right. Until the spooktacular, I'm Olivia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. <laughs>